guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Now I can ask you anything I want. Yeah, yeah. Now we're on camera. I didn't want to start anything or say anything. First of all, how old are you? I'm 49 on my way to 50. You look great. That's because you have bad vision. Yeah, I do, actually. I started <laughs> so, getting really bad yeah, vision yeah. six months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was perfect, actually, until about six months, eight months ago. I feel like that's what happens around my age, right? Yeah, like your my, age, you mean, my age is in, uh, younger than me. Yeah, yeah. My, my, notice how I have my glasses over there. I can't see with them and I can't see without them. <laughs> so I'm kind of fucked. So I'm supposed to have in my things to do is go get eye exam. And I just keep, I take them on, I take them off. I take, I just, I'm somewhere in between too, so. But don't you need to have perfect vision if you are doing literally plastic surgery? So very lucky is that I, I'm not shooting bone arrows. I'm operating from a distance. And right now my focal distance is perfect. It's the in-between zone that's starting to fade. So, I mean, I have no problem operating, but if you ask me to look up, I can't see very far. And then now if you ask me to read with my glasses, I can't. So- yeah, I'm good, but I got to get them checked. Okay, so let me. I have to just say off the bat, like, have you ever gotten any plastic surgery yourself? I haven't, and I would if two things were to have been met. One, I'd have something that really bothered me, like, oh, my nose is big. Yeah, but it doesn't bother me. So I'd have to have something that really bothers me. And the other, and probably bigger than the issue of having something that bothers me, is I'd have to have someone I really trust do it, and I'm super type A, and there's no way in hell I'd let anyone touch my face. You're so type A. You're probably the most type A person I've ever met in my entire life. Well, that says, that says a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or be insulted, but... For a doctor, you want to have a doctor that's very type A, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely a surgeon type A is good. (laughs) Yes. Pilots, surgeons, you know, there's certain professions where you're like, it's fine. (laughs) Exactly, the pilot and the surgeon. Like, I wouldn't want someone who's laissez-faire flying me around or operating on me. I agree, I agree. You know, and precision is... Type A people... It's funny because my practice is inundated with type A people. So type A people only seek out type A people right. to help them with super complicated things. Type B people are easygoing. They'll go to whomever. But like I have like so many engineers. I can't tell you the number of engineers that I've taken care of, lawyers, nurses that know about the industry. We have a lot of those types of people because they've done like, you know, you do your garden variety homework when you do things. These are people that have like, you know, bring out their yellow pad of paper and they're super. Exactly. And uh, meticulous. Yes. Yes. What would you say? And these are just like basic. I just want to know these things and we can get into the the nitty gritty. But what is the top surgery that you do? Like what's the big, the the thing that people ask you for the most? Is it still getting their boobs done? Yeah. I mean, when I went into practice almost 20 years ago, I remember a few guys giving me advice. You always seek advice from the guys that are ahead of you. And I remember them saying, hey, you're, you know, you're moving into Beverly Hills, super competitive area. You know, if you really want to survive, you got to sub, sub specialize. And they just kept draining that yeah. in my head. Like, oh, like I only do right nipples. Like yeah. that's how, like I'm, <laughs> I'm the right nipple expert. Like, and I, and I had so much training, you know, I had tons and tons of training. What is your training by the way? I'm board certified plastic surgeon. And I trained at, you know, USC County Hospital for six years. And we did burn, craniofacial, reconstruction, hand, cosmetics. So we have this wealth of knowledge we come out with. And as it was, of all those things I mentioned, I was already just doing cosmetics. So I eliminated substantial. They wanted me to subspecialize even yet again within cosmetics. We're like, I was just the breast guy. And I didn't want to do that because the key to my success for me is enthusiasm. I'm passionate. I'm passionate because I'm not bored. I'm not bored because I do a shit ton of things. And so despite conventional wisdom and what they told me and perhaps maybe maybe a easier path to quote unquote financial success, I opted to do all the things I was trained in. So I do noses and eyelids and mommy makeovers and tummy tucks and all these things. And so in order to be successful, you need to be good to great at what you do. And now I'm doing many things so that onus is higher. Right. But I didn't want to just, you know, be like, F- it. I'm just going to do breasts. So I kind of withstood the, the, if you will, the, the time that it took. And so to answer your question, I do the gamut and I really do, you know, like a big chunk of my practice, for example, are noses and a big chunk of my practice are moms, for example, like things that happen to mom's breasts and tummies and whatever. So I've kept it diverse by choice. 
And as a result, I find that, you know, in a week I'll do a facelift, then an eyelid, then a nose job, then a chin og, then an ear pinning. A chin og? What's that? That's a chin enhancement. People get just a chin enhancement? You, that's right. What if do you, you do? You add a, an implant in the chin because, you know, if I came in here and I was like this, you certainly wouldn't be giving me a compliment. Are you kidding me? Wouldn't kid you whatsoever. Okay, so this is fascinating, actually. I'm like so excited, actually, to have you on the podcast because, you know, at my age in LA, everyone's doing something. I mean, maybe it's now an epidemic that people now all over the country world are more apt to do things because of what we talked about, the Zooms and the social media, which we're going to get into. But overall, like what is a lower facelift, a regular facelift, like a neck lift? So I think the biggest takeaway home, the takeaway message is that number one, it's not a new concept. Aesthetics, plastic surgery, beauty, the desire to look good is not a new concept. It is innate in human nature. If you go back and look at, if you go to the Amazon right now, you just literally, we pick you up, we fly into the Amazon, you'll get into a tribe, people, have, they don't even, they don't even have TV, let alone social media. You will immediately be able to identify the queen or the most desirable matriarch in that tribe. Why? Because she's the most desirable, attractive. She's got the biggest bone in her lip and the most rings around her neck. So the idea of being desirable or beautiful is not a new concept. Cleopatra, it's existed forever because we're primates, we're mammals, we're part of the genome, birds, flowers, everything seeks out a certain balance and beauty. The difference is now you're inundated, meaning you're just constantly being yeah. barraged by the idea of having to look good, feel good, look pretty, work out, right? And then on top of that, now there's a bunch of crap that doesn't really even exist anymore. Before, you're trying to look like the hottest woman in the tribe. She's real. She's, she's genetically blessed. She works out, whatever. Now you have all these filters and images that are not even real. Like, there is no Jessica Rabbit, right? But then, so then you're looking at these altered morph things. So to answer your question is the terminology and the landscape of beauty and plastic surgery and cosmetics has gotten murky. It wasn't that way before. It was cleaner, more linear, like you wanted to fix something, you did it, it looked good, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but wait, so wait, because you didn't answer the question. The difference I'm getting. Those. I'm getting okay. there. So those terms are often oh, inaccurate and they're marketing driven, like mini lift, facelift, neck lift. So I'll give you an example. Yeah, and exactly. And, and, what are and, they all and, the same? And neck lift, the, all of them are the same except they're slightly different. Okay. So they're all the same in that they're addressing the same issue. You hit your mid-40s and you're like, wait, what the f I, I got some neck skin here. I never had that neck skin before. <laughs> what the hell is that sh Oh, am I, is that a jowl? And what's this line here? So you're going to get it. It doesn't matter. You might get it at 45. You might get it at 52. But you're not not going to get it. And you get the things that show that your lower face is starting to sag and then your cheeks start getting hollow. So when that happens, whenever that is, if you want to fix it, you may not, then the answer is to reverse those things by lifting them. Okay. Those are done through a face slash neck lift. The majority of the things that you're doing when you reverse that is fixing the neck and jawline. So when I go like this and I go like that, I'm mostly pulling my neck. So depending on the patient and depending on the doctor, the term you use is you're trying to phrase it in a way that they like it. So you're not going to tell, say, for example, a 45-year-old that she needs a facelift. They'll, they'll just have a heart attack. So you'll say, you'll say something cutesy like, it's a mini or it's only a <laughs> neck lift. And it's Bullshit. It's marketing. It's it's just a spectrum. You're younger. You need less of it. But your mom who I get it is getting the same thing, but she's getting more of it. So that is I, so true. And I funny. just don't play into the lingo. And I don't like that the lingo isn't really medical, but more commercialized. And it's and then and then on top of all that shit, then doctors love to like add their own trademarks. Like I'm doing the Raban lift. What the hell's a Raban lift? Well, it's it's I can't tell you, but it's a Raban lift. Give me a break, dude. You're, there's no Raban lift. You're not reinventing anything. You're doing the same shit everybody else is doing. You're just sticking your sticker on there. So, you know. You see why I wanted to have the guy on? He's so funny. And it's all true, by the way. I don't, I don't mean to interject and, and put my two cents in, but 
I have to because it's 100% true. Like I went to the hairdresser and the girl was telling me that she's like, oh yeah, I have someone coming in from Dubai to go see this guy who's giving me this like blah, blah, blah facelift. I'm like, what is that? She's like, oh, it's only he can do it right. that way. Of course. <laughs> Naturally, like, because nobody else, like, oh, he has this proprietary technology that nobody else effing has. Come on. But, and then oddly, people so want to hear that. That's yeah. why people are lined up outside of Hermes. It's not necessarily because that bag is that much better. Fine, craftsmanship. It's because of the label and the feeling of special. I feel special. So I get some of that because it has to do with sales. But since you're mixing it with medicine, it gets a little tricky. If I was selling you a hairband or a purse and I wanted to begool you because I wanted the marketing and the, Apple is the greatest scam in the universe. I mean, talk about marketing. Jesus Christ. It's like, oh my God, but look how good it looks. It's in this great box. And they do an amazing job of tricking you into thinking that they necessarily have that much better technology, but it's really about the way you feel about their product. Yeah. I think it's okay. I mean, good for you. But with medicine, I feel it's a little disingenuous. Wow. So then basically the mini and the not mini, it's all just a bunch of nonsense it's, terms. It's the same procedures done slightly more extensive depending on the amount that you need. If you show up in my office now at your age with such barely minimal changes and you're like, I don't want to be my mom by the time I do this. You're the person who drives your car and's like, oh shit, I'm at half tank. I got to fill my gas. There's another person's like, I ain't touching nothing till I have to. I don't want to do anything until it's like the last I have no choice. Yeah. They're the person that's waiting till they see fumes and empty on their tank that's to me. fill gas, okay? <laughs> so that is a personal preference. Yeah. And then there's people that run out of gas and don't give a shit. And they're like, I'm not buying into any of this. I don't, turkey neck, nothing. I'm not doing none of this. So everyone's got their preference and where you and if you enter the process determines if it's mini or not or whatnot. Oh my God. So do you, you don't have any signature anything? No, I don't, I, I can't do that nonsense. I love it. It's no, so it's funny. it's such garbage. Okay, so let's talk about what are the trends right now? Like, what are the most, like, because since, because of social media and because of everything else, how has it changed in the last 20 years? Like, what have been, what? So here are some like, of the what, trends. What, yeah, so, two things. Oh, wait, I've got yeah, two go parts ahead. of the question. My first part of the question actually is, how has the idea or the concept of beauty changed, Right over the last 20 years or 15 or whatever. And I also want, and then the second part is the, like what has changed and trended differently. Okay. So give me the PowerPoint. Let me have the, yeah. let me have the, <laughs> let me have the blackboard here. So to answer your seven hour question. Um, well, these are what people want to know. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm okay. here to tell you the truth. So what has changed in the sense of beauty? Number one, beauty is now available, attainable, desirable by all people. It is no longer something that celebrities have, the rich people have, those people get. I have people who walk into my office, sit down, we do a consult. I'm like, okay, what medications do you take? Da, 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 da. What do you do for a living? I'm a nanny. And they're about to drop $60,000, don't blink an eyelash. So it's no longer plastic surgery, beauty, all these things are not lo no longer like, oh, only the celebrities get it. That's number one. Secondly, we went from an era where things were quiet and hush-hush to braggadocious now. You're literally like can't wait to walk around Rodeo with the cast on your nose because it's a sign of like, that's right, that's right, I bought myself a nose. You know, whereas before you wouldn't come out of your house till all the bruises were gone. You're like, I don't want anyone fucking, I don't want anyone knowing I had a nose job. Now you're like posting it as, as you wheel out of the OR. Like, <laughs> here I am. I hope you guys like my, it's like... That's change. It's a, it's, a, it's a badge of honor now, and it means that I've made it. Outcomes of change. We used to like subtlety and, and classy and, and nuance-based surgery. Now people want dramatic. I want the Bella Hadid cat eyes. I want the Kim K butt. I want the so-and-so boobs. So because we are now, we've sexualized plastic surgery more, it's people's expectations for outcomes, not all, but some are more dramatic. Mm. Whereas historically the goal was for it to be so subtle that no one knew you had it. Now it's like, I've had patients even like say, I want the fake breast look. And I'm like, well, I, I think you went to the wrong office because you look at my work and you'll be like, oh, you're, so they come in and be like, listen, Dr. Wong, don't get, don't get upset, but your results are just too natural. 
can you make it a little more fake? And I'm like, uh, no, like, like, that's just not my style. People would want fake? Yes, it's a look that people want. They want that round high look or they want that super ski slope bunny nose or whatever. So that's changed, whereas never before they wanted that. And there is just a tremendous more emphasis placed on beauty than ever before. Like to the point that it's consuming, and this is where the social media comes in, the every moment, every breathing aspect of youth and it's melting their brains. And so it's like constant worry about, do I look good? Do I feel like that photo? I, I, oh my God. And then so you have eating disorders that you didn't have before. You have bulimia. You have all these things on heightened power. So that takes care of the question that you ask of what's changed in our expectations yeah. or standard of beauty. The fact that we like big boobs, small boobs, big butts, small butts, that has nothing to do with anything. That has to do with changing of preference. If you look at paintings and sculptures from a, hundred, a thousand years, you'll see that trend exist. It was time where we like fair skin, then we like tan skin, then we like small bosoms, then we like big breasts, then we like small butts, then we like big butts. That's just changing of the times. It's all the other nonsense that's changed. In regards to trends, so what are the trends? Number one, we went from when the advent of breast enhancement came, breast dog, you know, it pretty much was an all-you-can-eat buffet concept. It was like, breast dog, boom, Pamela Anderson, bigger, go home. And so in the 90s, it was cocaine chic with big breasts, and it was very popular. And it that was, was what? Cocaine chic? Cocaine chic is when you're super skinny, right? Oh, co oh cocaine chic. Right. Oh, and then, okay. like, you had some ridiculous Pamela Anderson breast dogs, and that was the era, and that was look what looked good and Baywatch and whatnot. The breast dog trends have generally trended towards smaller, more natural, look less noticeable. That doesn't mean there are not thousands of fake looking breast dogs being done because they're still the Vegas, Miami look that people like, but definitely a lot of people are seeking more naturalness. They kind of got over the big boob thing. The BBL big butt trend was the last decade. It's its, it's tail end and, and no pun intended. And it's, it's on the curve of sort of not being as popular, but there's no question that that never existed before. Every supermodel in the world was like wave thin. Yeah. Our beauty idea was thinner the better. And then, you know, you got to give her credit. Credit is not the right word. You got to, you got to, you got to apply, associate this with essentially the Kim Kardashian effect. And then, you know, Nicki Minaj and little Kim and all the rest of the people that got involved. But the idea of being curvy and then crazy curvy, which then led to the BBL phenomenon. Brazilian butt lift, which was essentially a nomenclature for fat transfer to the butt. I take fat from somewhere. I don't do this procedure, but nonetheless, one takes fat from somewhere, aka the arms, the belly, whatever, prepares it and then sticks it in the butt. And the idea being is enhancing the butt. And it has become the biggest single phenomenon in plastic surgery. But you don't do it. I don't do it because of a thousand reasons why I don't do it. I don't like the idea of stealing fat from all these other places because you have to be very aggressive because you need a lot of fat to do this. You can, you know, you come in to me and you're like, hey, my face is hollowing. And I'm like, well, we can take a little fat from your love handles and put it in your face. That's like tiny. BBL, I need a lot of fat to make a difference. So they're sculpting and taking fat from everywhere, your arms, your back, your thighs, your thigh. And you're thinking to yourself, well, well, shit, that's a win-win. I love that. You Let me get this straight. You borrow fat from all over my body I hate and you stick it in my butt that's flat, sign me up twice. Yeah. But it's not that simple. You borrow fat from everywhere and those areas then start to get loose and irregular and ripply and you stick it in the butt and then you know you now have this big butt and then when it becomes not trendy, you wish you didn't. The second issue is that the Brazilian butt lift, the BBL, is associated with the greatest number of deaths in the history of plastic surgery. No other procedure in plastic surgery, not facelifts, not liposuction, not no jobs, no nothing, no other procedure has had that meant as many deaths. Why? Because what was happening was, number one, this procedure tends to be done with people who are younger, who often don't have a lot of money. They're going to like shady ass places. That's number one. Like a facelift is something you do when you're mature and you're in your 50s. You tend to make better choices and you tend to have money. When you're 22 and you have to have this and you're in Miami and you can't afford it, you go to Turkey. You, you Forget about it. We'll get to that. We'll get to destination plastic surgery in a second. But you go to the strip mall down in whatever and whoever does whatever. The reason people were dying is you take this fat and you put it into the buttock area. You in basically inject it. And what was happening was the fat was entering into the veins wow. and was causing an embolus to the lungs 
and causing what's called a fat emboli. And you just literally die right on the table. And I don't remember, I, was, I did this on the news a few times and for different places I was with Mario Lopez. It was a, like, I'm talking like emergency issue. And there was like 28 deaths of like super healthy, normal women that died in Miami getting this done in the last, I don't know, six months or something like that. So Because they're injecting the fat into a vein by accident. Correct, because they're just sticking it in the butt Holy blindly. Crap. And in your butt, you have big caliber veins. <gasps> and pow, goes in, you inject it not knowing, and boom, goes straight to your heart and then your lungs and you die. So BBLs are now not as popular because of Ozempic. And then now all of a sudden people are like, Time to change. I want to be skinny. And who led the march? Kim. Like all of a sudden, the Kardashians like slimmed down 30 pounds and reversed your BBL by sucking it out, whatever they yeah, did. Yeah, what did they do? Well, some of it is that they had had, some of it is they lost a boatload of weight. And when you lose Through weight. Through Ozempic. Yeah. Well, allegedly, right? I, I don't know what they did. Did they admit that they took it? I don't think they did. So it's alleged because I don't know. And I really don't care. But I just know that they suddenly shrunk. Yeah. Right? And anyone who suddenly shrinks... Yeah. Yeah. Unless you see her like, you know, going vegan or something. I don't see that happening. By but, the way, not necessarily vegan. You can gain weight too. Yeah. For my, you know, some, something happened there yeah. and then you lose some weight. So your butt gets smaller. And then I don't know if they've liposuction their butt, whatever. The bottom line is that the result. Do you take the fat out though? I don't do it period. So not you, but I'm saying in general. You can, you but to? it's never going to look, maybe you'll look great in her Spanx and her silk, whatever thing. But I don't think naked you're going to be. Not Spanx, skims. Skims. There you have it. I don't think you're going to be rocking it on any beach anytime soon. Anyways, nonetheless, I think the BBL phenomenon is on the uh, tail end. Now the biggest wave is breast implant removal. So now there is a bunch of things that have come up, um, yeah. albeit incredibly rare. Um, there are some cancers associated with the capsule, the scar tissue, not the breast, but the scar tissue. Um, there's this, you know, a collective group of conditions that currently is called BII, breast implant illness, which is basically some type of like kind of autoimmune thing. It's been around for a long time, but people are a little bit more sensitive to it. And so there is a collective group way outweighed by happy patients. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of happy people and then like a thousand or so of unhappy people. And those women are now coming in and having their implants removed and doing whatever, which I totally understand and I respect. If you don't feel good and you think it's your breast implants, awesome, you take it out, you feel better, even better. So that's a new trend in explantation. Implants are kind of being reconsidered by a lot of patients. And then the rest of it is the tried and true things. You know, noses will never go away. You know, I know. And, and the reason- I want to get a new, I you, want my nose You know fixed. what I love about noses? Because I do a lot of them and I'm Persian and I'm Jewish, so I, it's just like it's a win-win-win, <laughs> is that your parents, you meet them, you, you grow up, you're like, oh, I don't get it. My mom and dad's noses are so good. You're like, no, they're not. What I love is that bad noses get inherited. So, you you know, Terrible. it just keeps going on through the lineage. Uh, I know, I know, I know. And like, whenever I ask you about my nose, you're like, well, does it bother? What did you say to me? You're like, if it doesn't bother you, then don't get it yeah, done. Yeah, because you you know people don't ever ask anybody. You only do anything if it drives it's it's if it's consuming your thought process. Yeah. If you're sitting there talking to me right now and I'm looking at you and you're like, is he looking at my nose? Right, right, right. Then it's it's consuming your thoughts. Then fix it. But if you're like once in a blue moon, you look at a bizarre photo and you're like, oh, it doesn't look so great. Well, then forget about it. I know. I also don't like surgery. Well, I'm scared of it. I agree. I'm super excited to share my latest health obsession with you guys. It's called Metabolic Daily by Pendulum. Metabolic Daily is a powerful multi-strain probiotic that really improves your metabolism, reduces your sugar cravings, breaks down carbs more efficiently, and sustains your energy. I've been taking Metabolic Daily for a few months, and it's unbelievable the results I've seen. Not only do I never struggle with my cravings, but I'm seeing a huge improvement in my body composition from breaking down carbs more effectively. I love Penalin because they are really disrupting the probiotic market with clinically studied strains that aren't available anywhere else. They were founded by PhD scientists and are backed by the Mayo Clinic and Halle Berry, who recently became their chief communications officer because of the re results that she's seen. They're the only company with, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, it's called Acromancia, a next generation strain that's called the Keystone strain for gut health. You can get it as a single strain or in Metabolic Daily. Plus, you guys can take 20% off your first month of any Pendulum product membership with this code, 
Jen Cohen. So go now to pendulumlife.com and use my code at checkout. Trust me, you will feel incredible. Okay, so those are the trends. Let's talk about the, the social media aspect and the Zoom aspect. How much did plastic surgery actually go up percentage wise after? or in, between, in the middle of COVID, just on the Zoom part alone? So one would think, so at least to the average intellectual, the world is coming unhinged. It could be the next, you know, Armageddon. And what's going to happen to like frivolous plastic surgery? It's going to die. Like who the F has time? Literally, I'm trying to figure out how to vaccinate like 18 vax. And then all of a sudden, our business explodes. I'm talking the highest single increase in any given period of time was during COVID. By how much? I, I can't tell you the numbers. I can just tell you my internal numbers. We were up probably 30, 40%, something astronomical. So then when you sit down and you think about it, you're like, oh, there must be a reason. Yeah. Things don't happen in a vacuum. There must be. So here are the reasons why COVID, we call it the Zoom effect, but it's one of the elements. Okay. One reason was that you're staring at your face all day long. Literally, you're on a camera, which is absolutely not flattering. People are staring at you and they're only looking at your face and you're just like, what the, f my, so, so dentists and face surgeons, it went booming. Botox, filler, nose job, neck lift, eyelids, facelift, etc. Second thing is that like, we're not even going on, we have to scratch that European vacation, budgeted for that. Oh, I'm not, we're not even going to dinner, budgeted for that. Oh my God, we got all this extra money that I didn't have. I have all this expenditure, extra money that I had allocated toward these other non-necessities right. and I now have this money. So two things happen. Home improvements, eight times. You couldn't even buy lumber. You couldn't buy, uh, you couldn't, Peloton went from like bankruptcy to, well, back, back to, like to incredible, because yeah. you were at home or you went and fixed yourself. Yeah. You did home improvement and self-improvement. So you had all this money you didn't have. Wow. So true. Next, I'm working from home. I'm getting paid to be at home. So I can literally recover and work simultaneously. So you didn't have to take two weeks off work or 10 days or seven days because your job was on a computer. And yeah, I just had a breast dog or a breast lift or a tummy tuck or a nose job. My brain wasn't operated on. I'm working just fine. My employer doesn't need to know if I'm in bandaged or not. I got my work job done. So whereas before you'd actually have to call out, you'd have to take two weeks off. You can't not show up. Now you could not show up. Is it still, is it still uh, at an uptick like that? Um, not nearly. Most people, I mean, we're still doing, we're still very busy, but not that psychotic spike that we had. And the last thing is my, my kids are out. I don't have to take them anywhere. They can't go anywhere. There's no programs. There's no school. They're at home. I don't have to like, because for, take it for example, typical mom like you. If you wanted to have surgery. I'm no typical mom, Dr. Raban. Well, I know, but <laughs> typical West LA superstar Malibu mom. But, but. I'm no Malibu mom either. You, but okay, anyway. You, you, you need to sort out your children. I have to take care of them. They have to go here. They got to go there. And many times that onus falls on the mom. Mm -hmm. And if, by the way, this plastic surgery uptick wasn't just moms. We had a boatload of, I mean, men went through the roof. I mean, we do What now, are men getting done? Their noses, their chins, their necks, ear pinning, liposuction, tons of things. Tons of things. So now that people still do liposuction, at the I don't, but it's very, it is the number one popular procedure in the country. Isn't it the, like, isn't that old school? No, no. Liposuction is, they keep coming up with new names for like it. Like cool sculpting? Cool sculpting is a non-surgical oh, okay. uh, liposuction kind of a thing. But so just to that last point was that if your kids are not in school and they're not out, you have time to recover. So if those combination of things led to the uptick during COVID. Wow. Okay. And then how about overall social media? Like what has that done? Is it done? good for me or is it good for you? For me, it's been through the roof. For all aesthetic providers, it's been insane. You now have basically second by second opportunity to embed your concepts into the minds of innocent people. For the population at whole, it, it has been and is a disaster. You now are starting to constantly compare yourself to people you never had. At the very worst, you had to compare yourself to that bitch at work or that girl at school, or that guy that's at the gym. That was the worst you had to do. Like, you go to the gym, you're like, F this guy is ripped. Okay, I don't feel so good about myself. And then you go home and the guy's gone. 
Now you can't escape that guy. There's 7 million images of that guy constantly. <laughs> Every time you are on your phone, you're like, I'm fat. I have no hair. <laughs> so you are, it's never ending sense of comparison and disappointment. Next, you have all these images of people, and they're all filtered. They all have, you know, these glowy skin. No, And now it's not only just a filter. They have things that make them prettier than they actually are. What's that called? It's a kind of filter. It's an actual filter that alters. It's like AI. And you... It, before it was, I'm just going to blur it a little bit. You know yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, halo, yeah. like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. glowy look? <laughs> now it's like the girl will turn it on and off, and you'll be like, no, come talk about catfish. I, what are you talking about? You can shrink your waist in a video? How? Can you show me? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> my niece showed me that. I almost fell out of my chair. It was Shabbat dinner. I was sitting there. My niece is one of my nieces whose noses I operated on. I operated on all three of their noses. I'm sure they'd love to know that they're, you told everyone. Oh, they were on my podcast. We did a we oh, did you a, did? oh yeah, okay. we did a family family edition with all three of my nieces. They're oh, like okay. One more superstar boss lady <laughs> than the next. And we were sitting there and she goes to me, I was talking to her, and she's she's the middle one who's into cosmetics and aesthetics and just just she's that girl. And I was talking about something and I was like, these Photoshop, whatever, whatever, and I don't get it. How do they do? And she's like, Oh, you just use this app. She busts out her phone. She takes a video of my other youngest niece. She shrinks her waist, lengthens her legs. And I was just like shook. I was like, what? I thought you couldn't morph uh, videos, but you can only morph photos. Wait, you can morph a video? A hundred. Not just a picture? No, videos. Like all those videos of people walking in the streets and they look tall. Yeah. Bullshit. None of them look like that. They all look like SpongeBob. It's a lie. Are you serious? a total lie. So now (laughs) you're asking me what social media has done. You and me are arguably reasonably well-adjusted adults. Yes, reasonably. And we are affected by this. Yeah. We see it's FOMO. We see all these happy people. We see all these staged environments. We see all these like glamour shots and bikinis where they're leaning back without a single dimple. And then we just go into, that's us. And we're like, ugh. Now imagine you're 14 or 12 or 15, and you're, you're going through acne, or your voice is cracking, or you're hitting puberty. You imagine that, and then you add this on top of it, and it's just a crusher. And what happens is you start getting depressed, you get a little anxiety, you get ADD, you get, without a doubt, an eating disorder, and only the most normal of normally adjusted kids make it out alive. All the regular people who don't have, like, super coping skills, just, it just isn't, they're not the same. And I feel terrible for this generation. Then you have all these influencers, these individuals who make money off of them, and they go into these spas and do these procedures, and then, oh my God, hi guys, a shout out from Tanya at whatever, and she's got 3.7 million followers because she shows herself in a bikini. Mind you, 99% of her followers are somewhere in the Middle East in India, and all of a sudden, she's telling your daughter that she needs to get a, you know, go to Dr. So-and-so's office to do this procedure. So it's like, they're soliciting these people and you can't escape it because it's in your phone before you could turn off your TV or you could, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's in a billboard or a magazine. Now it's in your phone. So what are you not going to let your, you, how old are your kids? Mine are eight and 10. Okay. So they're right at the precipice. Right at the precipice. Do they have phones? No. Nope. Okay. So you nope. wait and see. You wait and see the moment you, you're like, God, I don't want to give them a phone. I don't want to give them a phone. They're the only kid without a phone. Now you're worried about their safety. Oh, you come up with all these totally excuses. True. Mom, everybody has a phone, da, 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 and you give it to them. Game over. Now try to monitor that phone. I know. It's terrible. So that's why I'm telling you. So social media for me, aka the practitioner, has been phenomenal. For the consumer, it has been terrible. So shouldn't there be some kind of regulation put on this? There should be. Talk to the people you get on your show that do these kinds of things. Because in France, they're now starting to just started to regulate it. This falls on the the Facebook and all these people. So they're trying to like block us from doing this, that, the other. But they're not fixing this problem. No. There's, 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 there's no fixing it. There's, it's, and where you're going to, listen, where you're going to need to fix it is at home. You're going to have to have like long conversations with your kids well in advance, prep them, you know, you're going to see images and you're going to hope that your kids navigate it because they're not, no one is going to, no one's going to big brother this process. It's so far gone. And it's so, I mean, like what you said is so hard to, it's because you know, you can know intellectually this is happening, but it doesn't, psychologically, it still damages you. Like even like you were saying, we are, you we're reasonably like adjusted people. And yet when I see these images myself, like it's like, oh, 
Like, I believe it to be true. For sure. It, like, and I it's don't very, believe it not to be true. Right. Even if I tell you, you're, you, even your mind's like, are you sure this isn't real? Yeah. Right. And it's just hard not to. And I just think the way to do it is, you know, I have, I have my, one of my nieces, God bless her, the most, the baller of the ballers. She's in venture capital. She's 25. She's everything. She just doesn't have the apps. She has no TikTok, no nothing. She's on none of them. And that's the only way to get. That's the only way. Yeah. Because once you're on it, it's really hard not to take a full dose. A hundred percent. Right. It's like, don't inhale. Yeah. Just don't inhale. Just take, it's not, there's no, it's all like all or none. Yeah. So. It's a hundred percent true. So then how do you revert? Like, how do you kind of even rewind it once you've already, once you're in? The less, the less exposed you are to it, you'll slowly reiterate you. For example, let's say you have, what, what social media platforms do you have? Instagram, uh-huh. TikTok, uh-huh. and uh, Facebook. And fa- but yeah, whatever. I, have, but I, I, whatever. I haven't been on a Facebook no, nor have thing I. for okay. like 10 years. So let's do an experiment, which we won't, but let's say. Okay. I guarantee if you deleted the apps for one month, initially you will do the natural thing, which is you go on your phone because it's habituated. Yeah. And you'll switch through and you flip through it and you think you're just benign. You're just like, you think exactly. You I'm, just, benign. I'm, just, I'm bored. I, I have a Are moment. Are you uncomfortable in that chair? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very comfortable. Oh, doesn't help that I have no glutes. Um, <laughs> So, there's a surgery for that. Yes, apparently, I'm, I'd be sitting on a silicone implant right now. I have to have no fat to inject. So you're swiping through these images, yeah. and it's just super benign. Yeah, like it's so un, unassuming, and those messages are drilling in your head. Otherwise, advertisement as a whole yeah. would not be an industry. Like we know that after eight impressions, you bought the concept. Yep. So you're 100%. swiping, you're swiping through these things, but if you don't have the phone, you'll reach for it. You won't have it. And after a while you have a little bit of what's called withdrawal and eventually you'd forget about it. And then eventually you'd be whole again. And that's the same way with all things that are addictive, smoking, drinking, and the phone is one of them. And you know that because when you go on holiday, it takes time to undo the phone part, let alone the app part. And so the way to undo it is to just get off of it. But the problem is you tell yourself, and I tell myself, I need it. I need it for work. I need it for this. But then do I need to actually surf it? Not really. You're full of shit. You're doing it because you are, and am I, addicted. Yeah. We know that. That's the whole purpose of it. Totally. You just, you just are coped. You're well enough where like you're not going to go and like kill yourself because you're looking at women your age and you're like, gosh, she looks goddamn good. Right. But it's definitely affecting your mood and your sense of self. You just are coping with it. So that's interesting. I wonder if a lot of people don't even know that they're anxious or depressed because of that. Because they're so... 100%. Right? Because they're so used to it already. 1,000%. I I would be shocked if you don't have a therapist on here who deals with self-esteem issues. And they don't tell you that 90% of individuals, not just young people, individual self-esteem is due to point of comparison and feeling un- unfulfilled. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. But what I'm saying is I think a lot of people now, it's, it goes by the buzzword that's popular. So now it's about trauma, right? If you've had trauma, that's why you have anxiety or depression. Sure. Like, so it may could it could very well just easily be the fact that like you're constantly showing, you are constantly putting yourself in a traumatic experience by going through these things that will lessen your self-esteem and not even realize that's why you have a low self-esteem. 100%. I think that, listen, So where I get to you is that when I said you and I are reasonably well adjusted, if you had a horrific trauma when you were a child, you are more prone and more susceptible to small things sending you off. Let's say I was blessed. I didn't have a traumatic childhood. So I am have an undercurrent that it bothers me, but I manage. But if I had had one, I'd find myself very unhappy, not feeling fulfilled, feeling like I got to keep doing things. There was a phrase by, I don't know if you've heard of a guy named Eckhart Tolle. Of course. Okay. I don't know. Maybe he's on your show for all I know. I mean, yes. So don't, I mean, you're like a guy named. He's very, very popular. You know a guy named Gandhi? Uh, Yeah. 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 I think that name that rings a bell. Maybe, maybe I'm just in the wrong circle. I apologize. Most of the people I know have never heard of the guy. Yes. Because you're in a different world of plastic surgery in Beverly Hills. He said happiness is the delta between where you are and where you want to be. So it's really profound. You think you ought to be here and you're actually here. And that delta, the greater that gap, the more unhappy you are. When in reality, if where you thought you had to be was where you are, you'd be content. Mm -hmm. And so the more of these images Mm -hmm. and scenarios of FOMO or comparative elements. So here I am, a plastic surgeon. We just had a conversation for 30 minutes. So well, then don't do plastic surgery. Oh, on the contrary. If you are a well-adjusted, happy individual who has elements about yourself you dislike, and we 
adjust them in a way that's healthy, appropriate, you will catapult your self-esteem in a level that you couldn't even anticipate. And I do this literally on a daily basis. Take my three nieces. All of them were normal. None of them had major issues. All top, not one loss, two law school, one venture, everything. I did their noses. They had Miller Eastern noses. And I couldn't even as a plastic surgeon imagine how much they blossomed in terms of confidence. Take a woman who's had three kids, husband loves her to death, has mommy makeover. Holy crap, I've never seen you like this before. A guy in a workplace with a saggy neck, everyone's young and hip. You do his neck, he feels a million bucks. So it is a balance. And I think the social media has pushed that balance out of kilter. Well, also when you see yourself with filters, without filters, people tend to think that they're just like horrifically ugly now. They can't even look at themselves without filters. Yeah, well. Because they're not used to it because they're so used to seeing themselves altered. Yeah, well, there's no, there's, we definitely have a, a problem. We definitely have a, we are in a problem. So basically besides just weaning yourself off, there really is no other. I don't, I don't think there is. I think it's like, so tell me, how do I just use a little bit of crack? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how. Right. I just want to be kind of pregnant. Yeah. It's all or none. You got to disconnect and clean, shed yourself of this, this, this toxin. Fun fact. Did you know our brains thrive on ketones? Ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier and act as fuel for the brain, helping you achieve and sustain peak mental clarity. And guess what? You don't need to be in ketosis to take advantage of ketones. That's why I turn to Ketone IQ by HVMN wherever I need my brain to be as functioning at its highest capacity. For days when I have back-to-back podcast recordings and I need my brain to be super sharp, Ketone IQ helps without fail. Just one shot is all you need to enter into that flow state of energy. And bonus benefit, ketone suppresses your appetite. So I'll drink a Ketone IQ shot first thing in the morning before I hit the gym. And I even have incredible energy without any crashes. And I'm able to crush a workout before breakfast. So I'm totally sold. It's been a lifesaver for trying to balance my career, my kids, my workouts, and everything else in between. So if you want to try it out for yourself, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash gen. Again, visit hvmn.com slash gen and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Woohoo! Do people come to you and want to look like their filtered self? I did a post. I was on a podcast with someone and she'd asked me and I get a post on how people bring me an image of themselves. Yeah. And they're like, I, I don't like the way I look in this picture. It's not even morphed. It's just the way they look in a picture. Can you fix my nose? And then I'll look at their nose without the photo, which is a version of them. They're the real version. Uh-huh. They're the real thing. And this photo is an angle or a moment. And I'm like, but your nose is great. Yeah, but when I smile, I don't like the way this looks. We People live for the photo. They want to be the person in the photo, not the one in reality. It's so twisted. And I'm like, your nose is fine. That's a frame of a photo. Like, I'll take Angelique Jolene and I'll take a f- photo Bad of her. Photo, yeah. And I, she'll look like, you know, an ugly duckling. What does that even mean? Get out of here. Right. So yes, there's people constantly trying to acquire things. But how do you make somebody look like a filtered version of themselves? You don't. You, you don't. But there are doctors who are. Well, they're doing stylized things. They're pulling eyebrows up, lifting up lips, filling in lips, making nose tiny. And you, okay, so all roads lead to Rome. So if you look at a lot of these yeah. people on in the internet and you look at the overdone look, they all kind of look alike. They do. Why? Because... At some point, your brows are as high as they go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, your lips are so big, they're blown out. At some point, your jawline is so crisp that it's like a chisel. At some point, your nose is so buttony. So the variation between you and me has been obliterated. So then you put those seven pieces together, and they all look like the same Mr. Potato Head because you put the same nose and the same ears, and now they're like, all these potato heads look the same. Right. So that's the end road to all these overdone people. And then it becomes addictive, right? Like people become addicted to the surgery. Yes, there is definitely a component of like a high you get. 
They're like, ooh, I altered something. I did something to myself. But those are less... We're talking now in the extreme category. Those are extreme. Yeah, I would say the over... 99.9% of my patients are like you and me. Regular people, normal, well-adjusted, thought about something for a long time, did some homework, one to two, three years, decided, you know what, I want to get some information, went and did some homework, realized that it would be beneficial, do the surgery, feel great about themselves, and move on. So because of the demand, have you increased your prices? Like, has, like everyone seems to have increased everything. For sure. I increased my prices mostly less because of demand, but because of quality. Because I'm capitated. I opt, you know, in my industry, in plastic surgery, you're hiring a glorified plumber. You're hiring a, a painter. I create items one by one, right? So, hey, I want you to make me this mural. How many murals can I make? Right, right, right. So I can make... A hundred spray paint murals, or I can make four hand-painted acrylic beautiful murals. So if that's the case, I'm capitated and I want to maintain my quality high. I have to be able to charge for the time that I do so that I can always maintain the quality. That's why I have to charge more because I put more time than most people. Like how much is a, how much is a nose job? 18 to 25,000. Right. It used to be eight to 10. How much are eggs? Oh, t- don't, did you watch that podcast? No, did you but listen I, my to wife it? tells me every day. Oh my God, your wife and I would get along. What I did a whole podcast on this. No, I but, kid you not. But, but how, much, some of them, I, how much did you pay for your latte this okay, morning? Okay, I, I won't. I refuse. Okay, but principle. how much is it? It's $8. $8. And eggs, by the way, now are like 10 bucks. Okay, so if you take, crazy. If you take just that, so then of course crazy. things, I mean, but everything, my OR fees quadrupled. I have to pay my staff five times more because they can't pay for their apartments. It's inflation and it, it trickles to everything and Everything. Aesthetics are no different. But that's why a lot of people now are going to Turkey. Have you heard of this? Yes. Have I heard of it? I see patients once in a blue, you know, once every once in a while coming for complications. So destination plastic surgery is a very, very dangerous entity. Okay, why? So here are the following reasons. Let's make the assumption that the doctor, and we'll pick Turkey. I'm not picking on Turkey. Right, right. I don't want to get canceled by all the Turkish right. people. Although I've heard that Turkey has the best doctors. So let's let's take scenario. Okay. Here we I want to know. That's what I heard. Because I know I saw I saw that ticket on your desk. It yeah. says <laughs> going to Turkey. Air Turkey. <laughs> Air Istanbul. Here exactly. I come. Exactly. So here, take the scenario. Too expensive. Ter- take the scenario whereby which the surgeon in Istanbul is awesome. He or she is the bomb, the best surgeon possible. Okay. Still yet, you shouldn't go. And here is why. Why do, why, first let's start out with why people would go. Why on earth would you leave the United States of America, which is unarguably the number one place in the world for healthcare? Healthcare, number one in the world is United States. What I mean by that is I need an MRI. We do open heart surgery. It is by far, I didn't say access, I didn't say if you're poor, I didn't say insurance. I'm talking about the best medical care can be received in the United States of America. Canadians come here, the Brits come here, Germans come here, everywhere, okay? Why would you leave your country? If you're in Ecuador, I get it. The reason you leave is because it's expensive here and cheaper there. Because if you're looking for expertise, you can find it here. You're not in Zimbabwe. So the reason you go to Turkey or Venezuela is because it's a third the price. And you figure, fuck it, I'll go there, I'll bring my family, I get two weeks vacation with them, and I come home with money in my pocket. And the guy, I've seen his Instagram, he walks on water. Done, sign me up, grab your bags, we're going. Yes. So why would you not, why should you not do it? Oh, it must be because he's worried about the competition. No, I don't give a shit about the competition. The reason you shouldn't do it is as follows. So you're playing Russian roulette. And that roulette is you have a gun and that gun is one bullet. And what that bullet is, is a complication. It's an inevitable complication. Every surgeon, the world's greatest surgeon on the planet has a three to 5% complication rate or whatever rate. That's going to happen. It's a matter of when. So you put that complication in the barrel and you go down to Ecuador or Turkey and you get your mommy makeover nose job and you pull the trigger and nothing. Went great. You look good. Oh, yeah, I went to Turkey. And you do it again and again and again. Until what? Until somebody gets the bullet. That bullet is the complication. What complication? You have an uh, unexpected reaction to an anesthetic. You end up getting a blood clot and a stroke. You end up having a bizarre infection due to a cannula or some kind of unusual bacteria. You end up, ah, now what are we talking about? Now you're in Turkey. You're in the middle of BFE. You think they're going to medevac you to 
Cedar sinai Medical Center ICU or Johns Hopkins, no, your ass is in some hospital in the middle of nowhere. And now you are needing critical care, all the things that make America great because we have those things available to us. Right. So now you're out in nowhere, you have no advocacy. By the way, here in America, if I do something wrong, we have the California Medical Board, we have 3,455 million lawyers that are out of work that can't wait to take on a lawsuit. We have Yelp, we have all these advocacies for the patient protection against the doctor. You think you have that in Turkey? Doctors walk on water. Oh, good luck suing a doctor in Turkey. You're untouchable in other countries. So what if they come back? Like a lot of people are, when they get the complication, they'll get it a little bit after, right? Like So so then you call me. Right. So you still save money. No, not necessarily. I'm talking about something catastrophic. I can tell you we've done four or five podcasts before on patients whose family members became vegetables in other countries. They had to fly them over here. And furthermore, let me ask you this. So you go get your breast dog in Turkey and it's like day nine. And all of a sudden you're like, what's going on with my incision? It looks like it's draining. It's opening up. Oh my God, I think I can see my implant. So what, are you going to Zoom your doctor in Turkey because your implant's about to extrude? What are you going to do? You're going to show up at the ER. Who's going to take care of you? No one. You're going to get the bottom of the barrel. They're going to rip your implants out. You're going to be deformed. If you were in my office, I take you in, wash you out, change the implants, whatever. Furthermore, I had a patient day nine, not day one, not day two, day nine, I'm operating in my surgery center, I get a phone call from her husband that Julie is bleeding after her tummy tuck. Bleeding? What are you talking about? It's been nine days. There's blood coming out of her drain and it won't stop. I'm like, oh, these people are exaggerating. No, how much has come out? 500 cc's. What? You need to come to the surgery center right now. Luckily, the timing, just think about this. I finished my case. I came out. I saw her and she's got a huge belly full of blood. So I take her emergently into the operating room, operate on her, we find this random ass bleed. Holy, one in 20 years I've had. What would she done if she were in Turkey? I don't know, what would happen? You tell me. High probability things wouldn't have gone well. Then I transferred her to the hospital, she got blood transfusion. All I'm telling you is- You never know. You never know. And to save money, my answer to you is, I can't afford it. Don't do it. You know what, I can't afford a Bentley. I don't buy it. It's a luxury. You need your brain tumor removed. You don't need your bigger breast. Totally true. Okay, so there are a lot of doctors in America that are still good, that are more affordable. I just don't, I just think leaving this country for healthcare is bad. It's a risky proposition. So, because I, I was under the impression, I was told that it's also because the doctors are so much better there. Okay, where did that come from? That came from you justifying it to yourself so that when your friends are like, you went to f- where? You're like, oh no, these doctors are better. You want to tell me that the doctor, and I don't take it personally. I don't care. Yeah. You well, no, tell- you're a good doctor, but yeah. there's a lot of people, even in Beverly Hills, I didn't say, we don't, you don't need Terrible. It. There are terrible and good They're doctors. They're not even board certified. You're 100% right. But you, you don't need more than one. You don't need a thousand great of anything, you need your handful. In America, there are more than enough great doctors for you to access and just as many shitty ones. Same as every other country. That's not unique to the country. That's unique to people. Okay, so, okay, so how about this? And we'll, I'm curious about this and we can wrap soon, but like, how are people supposed to find and know the difference between a good one and a bad one, especially now with social media? Everyone has their own Instagram handle and a page. If you go on there right now, you'll see a million plastic surgeons or whatever who have hundreds of thousands of, of followers. They could be bought, probably are. And if, you know, if to the untrained eye, you're like, oh, wow, this person must be popular. They must be great. They've got good pictures on their Instagram. You know, like how are people supposed to know and pick somebody that is good? So you asked the $64 million question. It's very difficult today. The landscape has become very tricky. So here are the things that I will tell you. First of all, the answer is there is no certainty. The second is that if all arrows point in a direction, the probability is that's the right direction and that you have to take the sum total of everything you see combined with your gut and make a conclusion. So let me elaborate. The single worst place to get information is social media because it is the least regulated. I can tomorrow for the sake of, for the sake of an experiment, open a new handle, pay and buy 2.5 million followers. Every single post can have 10,000 likes. Every single video can have 100,000 views. I can have bots write 
comments beyond comments. I can have all my photos photoshopped. You wouldn't have a clue. So going to a place that has no regulation as my primary so source is so naive, it's ridiculous. Now, you do use it as a point, I said point of reference, but not as your main source of reference. What you do is you do some old fashioned reconnaissance. So you go on and remember those things called websites? So you go on their website and you begin with something called training. So you start with the root. Yes, well-trained surgeons can be shitty, but how many Harvard graduated board certified plastic surgeons are just dog meat? How many? Tell me the numbers. I don't know. Low, low. If the guy made it to Harvard, the likelihood that he's just got two left hands is unlikely. But that's not where this trouble, the thing ends. But you want to start out with things that are actually factual. This guy actually went to Stanford for undergrad. Where'd you go? I went to UCLA for undergrad, UCSD for med school, and USC for training. But my point being is you can check these credentials. We are in the world of decredentializing people. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You're going to now get doctors who are not allowed to take exams. What? Oh, we don't want to discriminate. What, against intelligence? <laughs> it's just nuts. So you go to credentials, then there's, you have to be careful of the alphabet soup. Plastic surgeons do plastic surgery. It used to be, if you wanted a plastic surgeon, that's what they're called. Not anymore. Marketing has changed that. So here is the alphabet soup for you to learn. Pay attention. So... Plastic surgeons, plastic surgery school, do plastic surgery. You can be a plastic surgeon or a board certified plastic surgeon. That means I'm a plastic surgeon and then I took the really big hard test and I passed it. You ideally, unless you're in Wichita, you're going to want to go for the board certified guy because it's like Apple Plus, okay? Then there are these things called like facial plastics. And facial plastics are ENT, ear, nose, and throat. I went to ear, nose, and throat school. And then I did an extra year of training and I got my degree in the cosmetics of the face. So those are facial plastics, but they tend to often drop the word facial when they're marketing, calling themselves plastic surgeons. And then they sometimes do breasts and things they shouldn't be doing when their training is very clear that it's above the clavicle. So if you go to a facial plastics guy or a plastic surgeon for your nose, you're okay. But if you go to a facial plastics guy who dropped the word facial and who's doing breast dogs, you're in danger. You can figure that out by going to their training and reading what they write, but they're going to manipulate the terminology for marketing. Next, ophthalmologists, eye doctors, now go and do a little more training and become oculoplastic surgeons. Again, drop the word oculo. So they should be doing eyelids, but if they're doing your facelift, you have a problem. Right. And then the big dangerous bad wolf, cosmetic surgeons. This is a non-existing field. This is a catch-all term that everyone else uses to do plastic surgery. OBGYNs doing tummy tucks. ER doctors doing liposuction. Orthopedics doing breast dogs. This whole world of non-plastic surgeons use the term cosmetic surgery, which is, and they can get whatever kind of training they, there is no real accreditation. They started out in some other field and then disliked it. And then this is a trickery. Let's say I'm a OBGYN and I'm board certified in OBGYN. And then I decided I don't want to deliver these no kids anymore. It's too risky. I just want to do liposuction. I go and open up a beautiful office with a beautiful website, with a beautiful staff, with beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I call myself a cosmetic surgeon that's board certified. You're board certified in OB doing cosmetic surgery. You're not board certified in cosmetic surgery. There is no such thing. Wow. So your answer is, wow, they're really trying to get me. Yeah. This is a consumer protection world. And there is no overarching watchdog. What, how is this possible? How can the medical board let you do this? This is the thing. As a doctor, I'm, I'm a doctor. If I wanted to start treating you for acne, I can. If I want to take care of your heart, I can. I can do whatever the hell I want. I have a medical degree. The only person protecting you is the hospital. 
So if you walk into a hospital and I'm going to take out the tumor out of your head, the hospital won't allow me to do that unless I'm a neurosurgeon. Right. Where am I doing 99% of my cosmetic surgeries? In these operational... In these outpatient, outpatient surgery yeah. Who owns the outpatient surgery center? I do. I own my own center. So I, the OBGYN, give myself privileges to do the cases in my center. Wow. Do you own your own? Yes. Is that what most people do now? Nowadays, yeah. Right, so then there's no way of ever... So yeah. what you do, what I was saying is, you go to their reviews and you read them and you read every damn one of them and you can start to tell, like, this seems fake. Dr. Raban's amazing. He walks on water. Love you, Dr. Raban. That doesn't sound really real. Sally was a great office manager. On Tuesday when I went there, Erica picked me up. Sounds more realistic. Facts. Then you go look at all of the... You call the, the medical board of that state. Then you go and you check to see if they had lawsuits. Then you go and you look at their results. How can they, you check that? But for example, you go to CaliforniaMedicalBoard.org and you just put in their name and it pops up. And so what happens is you layer all these things on. No one thing is enough, but the sum total of the things makes it safer. And then ultimately nothing is better than a referral, but you do all this, chances are you'll be okay. But you're absolutely correct. It's really a treacherous world out there where before it wasn't. Well, I gotta say, thank you for all of this. I actually had a really nice time talking to you. This is you're so you're so funny. Well, I appreciate you're, that. You have such a like personality on you, and you like say it how it is, which I always appreciate. I appreciate that very much, and and I you know I think and I appreciate you having you know I know your show is traditionally not about this, and I think that this is a super important subject matter because it's not about plastic surgery. Do your boobs? You're nobody gives a shit. Do whatever you want to do. It's about okay, this is happening. Right. And exactly. we, wa we want to educate. And the purpose of most people's podcasts, which is mine, which I'll tell you about in a second, is to educate people. And so good for you for being like, you know, this is outside our normal sphere, but I think this will be helpful, hopefully, for people listening. Because I assure you, I guarantee you, factually, 20, 30% of the people that listen to you have or want to do something 100, like this. That's exactly why I had you on, because I think this, is, this information is in the ether. Everyone's curious. It's in the ether. People want to know. Maybe it's not necessarily like top of mind every minute, but I, I have a feeling that like n there's nobody who would be listening to it. Like, I think that it doesn't matter if you are a business person or a mom or a boy or a girl, whatever. These are, th these are things that people want to know. Yeah. No, and I think it's very good to talk about it head on. If I may, I'm going to plug my podcast. I was going to ask you, yeah. start plugging. Yeah. No. So, so what I've tried to do is this is, every, you know, everybody does a career. And if you feel lucky enough that you like what you do, you hope that you do something slightly memorable, rewarding, that you have a lift at kind of an impact. So I leave an impact daily on each of my patients. But bigger than that, I love plastic surgery. We do some amazing things. But at the same time, I'm a bit disappointed. It's become a shit show, a circus. Doctors are dancing on TikTok, making all kinds of videos on Instagram. Everyone's clamoring to grab the patients. And I kind of am a little bummed out. And so I think patients need advocacy and they need honesty and they need transparency. So I put together four or five years ago a show called Plastic Surgery Uncensored. And it's a podcast, much like yours. I sit down and we talk about skincare, lasers, breast dogs, liposuction, skin cancer. We have experts. And the singular purpose is to convey to you information that can protect you and guide you and hopefully be at the same time slightly entertaining and really give you the information that I think you need to have to decide yes, no, left, right, whatnot. So plastic surgery uncensored. And then, of course, we have an Instagram by force because we have to be relevant. Yeah, well, you are relevant to me anyway. You have great content for a doctor, I'm telling you, because you say it like it is, which is very refreshing. And so I appreciate you, Dr. Raban, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank I, you. I appreciate you having me. Can I spell my name? Because people are going to Yes, go ahead. It's a... Roddy, R-A-D-Y, R-A-D-Y, and last name is Raban, R-A-H-B-A-N. The reason I have to spell it is because it's ethnic. I'm glad you did. You know why? I could not find your information for the life of me. Do you know that? Because I had you in my phone. Yes. Most as people R-O-D-Y. Right, right. So nobody was going to spell it R-A-D-Y. That's Rady. Yeah. And Raban, of course, is Rahban, which is R-A-H-B-A-N. And so if you're listening and not watching and it's not there, then you'll be like, who the fuck, this guy, oh, I can't find him, screw it. So That's exactly, yeah. I didn't move on to the next person. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's, and our Instagram is actually dr, doctor, it's at dr, Roddy Raban. So awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I know that, uh, you know, you have a, a different style. I hope that the no, people you, listening. You, you're awesome. You rocked it. Thank you.
Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And bye. Listen to Tim and go check out his podcast. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.